Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Emily. Hi, I'm Emily. Um, I'm a compulsive eater. And uh, hi, I come by that very honestly. And um, I want to show my sponsor that I have. Um, <laughs> I have some notes up here, but I'm not going to look at them. Because I, I do a, a nightly inventory that I emailed to her, and a few nights ago, one of the things that I had you know mentioned that I was doing was like, because um, I've been in program for 10 years, and I've never shared it light a candle, and so um, I'm a really scattered person, and I needed to try to like organize things, so I've, I've been taking notes, and she saw that I was taking notes, and she said, don't, you know, don't spend time looking at your notes while you're sharing. Trust you, that your higher power is going to help you say what you need to say. And I really do believe that. But one of the things that I've learned in program is that I have, I, I trust the, the structure and I trust the work that I do. And then I can have freedom and have faith and let that go. So I thought I would bring the notes up here with me as a reminder that I did the work and that I like organized my thoughts and I didn't wait until the last minute, which is what like all my life, you know, in school and everything, I would wait till the last minute um, and now I'm going to trust that my higher power, the God of my understanding is going to lead me to say what I need to say. Um, so I am, I feel so strange being up here because I have spent a lot of time in this room, um, watching people lead this meeting. I have listened to so many of these podcasts because I, I came into the rooms, um, in New York and I have spent a lot of program in other cities and I travel a lot for work. And so these podcasts have really, really, really helped me. And I wanna say welcome to the newcomers and congratulations to our, our chip taker. Welcome to any new people who are listening on the podcast. And one thing that I can say with absolute assurance from my own experience is that if you are new or even if you're not new and you're confused and you're not quite sure if what you're doing is going to pay off any work that you put into this program will pay off in some way it's not always going to be linear you're not always going to see the result that you think you should see or that you want to see but it always pays off and that has been such a miraculous discovery to me um I came into the rooms in 2012, and um, I, as I mentioned, I've never shared at Light a Candle, and honestly, never really thought that I would. Um, Andrea called me to ask, thank you, Andrea, and um, I thought it was a mistake, um, and she left me a message. And I was about to call my sponsor and say, they want me to lead it light a candle. I don't really know if I'm qualified to lead there because I don't have what I consider like a nice, polished and pretty OA abstinence. I don't count days. Um, and then I listened to the message again and I realized that Andrea said, uh, 
Lizanne, who is my sponsor, recommended you. And so I was like, oh, I guess I don't need to call my sponsor to ask if, if she thinks it's okay for me to share. Um, and what I came to realize is that um, I'm sort of the one that for all my life has decided I am not worthy I don't belong in certain places. I'm not good enough. And it's a way of keeping myself just withdrawn enough so that I don't have to try hard enough. I don't have to fear failure. I don't have to disappoint you. I don't have to make myself vulnerable. And that, that has been a story for me for a long time. And that has definitely um, come out in food. Um, food is the symptom for me and, um, it is, I have other addictions, but food is, I feel like ground zero. It's the place where it just like all explodes for me. So I came into the rooms in 2012. Um, but what it was like all my life, I feel like I've always been aware of weight. I've always been aware that food soothes me. I've always wanted more food than I thought I was like supposed to have. I've always, um, always wanted to sneak food. Don't really know why. Um, always wanted to hide food. It's always been like my, a place where like I could get what I wanted when I felt like I wasn't getting what I deserved from the world or what I wanted from the world. Um, I'm, also like one of those people who feels like I'm not allowed to have a problem with food, with alcohol, with anything, because I grew up in a loving family. Um, there is addiction in my family. Um, and I actually didn't know that until later in my life. And now a lot of it makes a lot more sense to me. And I see that there have been battles that have been fought. And some of them have been won. Some of them have not. Um, but a lot of it makes a lot, a lot more sense now. And that's allowed me to be more compassionate to myself and to the people in my family and to people around me. Um, but for me, what my abstinence does look like um, is, so to backtrack a little bit, when I, when I did find out that I was indeed going to be leading this meeting, I said, okay, so what, what is my, you know, what is my abstinence that I, cause I have defined different things in the past and what it is for me now is, um, easy does it. And that would have made no sense to me at the beginning of coming into this program. I would have been off to the races. I would have been trying to get away with everything and what it is for me today is absolutely having structure because I do have structure in my eating. Um, I do have foods that I avoid. I do have behaviors that I don't do. But I also have to have the willingness to have flexibility because I want to have rules so that I can then use them to punish myself and to um, set myself up for failure. I want to have these things that I tell myself I need to live up to so that as soon as I get it wrong, I just give up completely and I tell myself that there's no point in doing it anyway. Um, and so I, I sought approval from other people 
as the way to figure out whether or not I was okay in the world from a very early age. And, you know, like I said, I, I had really, I had loving parents, like everything was okay. I was what you would call, you know, very privileged in terms of like, I had a stable upbringing. My father grew up with uh, an alcoholic father and went through a lot of turmoil with that, but he fought those battles and I never had to deal with that directly. Um, and he provided us with a stable home. And so I got to go to school and then, you know, didn't have to make like, didn't have to fight any big battles in terms of like whether or not I was going to be able to do that, got to go to college and didn't have to make any big decisions. And I think that that was key too, because then um, that meant that when it came time to make decisions, I didn't really know how to, and I was scared to, and I was scared to get things wrong. I've always had this scare, this fear of making the wrong choice um, and being afraid, like I get so mired in indecision. And that's something that definitely shows up in food. And I, I, I sort of begrudgingly say that like <laughs> of all the addictions that one can have. And I'm also in the beverage program. And I, I actually found that program after I found OA, um, which is sort of the opposite from what a lot of people do. But sobriety to me, like in sobriety and in, in the other program, is just so clean and simple and easy in terms of giving up the substance because, you know, you either drink or you don't drink. And food you have to deal with every single day. But the thing that is actually beautiful and incredible about that is that I cannot hide from it. And as soon as I want to do something weird with the food, as soon as I want to control the food, as soon as I want to hide the food, as soon as I want to steal the food, as soon as I want to, you know, restrict the food, as soon as I want to eat the food in the middle of the night, I know that there is something going on in my spirit that I need to deal with. And I know that I need to bring it to God. And yes, that's really annoying because I just hate that, you know, it's so easy for it to come up. But it's also such a gift because it means that I can't ever hide from myself. And that is the thing that I've been trying to do all my life. I've been wanting to hide from myself. I don't want to be honest with myself. Um, one of the reasons that I was drawn to my sponsor was when I heard her share at this meeting one of the first things she said about life in general was what an order I can't go through with it. And I really related to that. Um, I feel like that many times. And my response to that is to just want to not make any decisions and just like pull the covers over my head. So food seemed to be such a great antidote to that from an early age. It's easily accessible. It is genuinely comforting until it's not. Um, it was something that I shared with my mom. You know, we baked together. And from like a really early age, I remember I would, you know, she would let me lick the bowl, but as any sensible mother would, at some point she would say, okay, you know, you can only have so much, that's enough. I would like steal the cookie dough and put some in the cabinet to keep for later. And I don't even know where this idea came from, but like ever since I was a little kid, I would steal food and I would squirrel it away for later, like a squirrel with nuts. And, um, you know, I was always afraid I was going to run out and I wasn't going to get what I deserved, whatever, you know, and, and I, I don't know, like, what would have been enough. There's never enough, as we know. Um, but I, I was always, like, going to the food to try to make up for whatever it was I was scared I wasn't getting out of life. And even though I was raised with uh, 
you know, going to church and I was raised with a God that I had a certain understanding of. Um, The God of my understanding at that point was not a God of grace was not a God of where, that I could really have a friendship with because my understanding was so skewed. My understanding was still like, I have, to, I have to be good and earn good and do good, but I can't. I can never be good enough. I can never do good enough. I can never be enough. I do not belong. Um, and so it was just always a losing battle. Um, and I... I did find a certain amount of satisfaction in trying to like achieve. And that was the way I sort of distinguished myself from my brother. Cause he was, he was super comfortable in the world and very charismatic and very athletic. And I was very shy and, and I found success like in school. And so there was something that felt safe about like you put in a certain amount of effort and you get good grades and then people are happy and everything feels safe in the world. And then I got to college where, um, all of a sudden you have so much more choice and it kind of freaked out. And it, I mean, it sounds so simple and sounds so, um, it really, it, 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 it just sounds so simple to me and so kind of lame, but I did, I got to, I got to college and all of a sudden when faced with choice, I was just paralyzed. And of course you have infinite choice with food when you're in college. And so I went through all of that. Um, And so I went through lots of periods in my life where I gained, you know, 20 pounds, gained 30 pounds, um, lost it. I I never successfully dieted. Like, I always loved the ideas of diets. And I went to, like, Weight Watchers when I was a teenager. And I tried all these different diets. And I did go through periods of over-exercising. But I could never, ever, ever, ever stick to anything. Because I always liked the idea of it more than I liked the, the, uh, I couldn't commit to it. Um... And um, fast forward a little bit, went to grad school um, for acting, which is my profession. And there were two things that were said to me that are deeply important to me as a human being today and are still only just unraveling themselves and sort of saving me as a person and so important to my recovery. And one of them was that they totally called me out on how like safe I was trying to be and how I was trying to figure out the answers to everything. And they said, you keep trying to get things right. You're trying to make us happy with the choices that you're making um, and your performances. And you're afraid of failing. And if you do this, if you keep on this way, A, you're gonna be really boring as an actor and B, you're gonna be really bored. And I took that to heart and I knew that they meant that for me as an actor. And I also kind of knew that that was true of me as a human being in the world that I kept, you know, trying to like figure out what everyone around me was telling me I should do so that I could succeed, whatever that meant. Like, you know, what does that even mean when you're trying to succeed based on what other people are giving you feedback about? Um, But I was just so bewildered and so afraid to like, check in with myself and figure out what it was that I truly wanted that that just felt like the safer thing to do. And then the other thing that they said to me, and man, oh man, I mean, this still just blows my mind because it's still, I don't, like even, it's still like, I feel like I don't have a full understanding of it and only in recovery am I fully getting it. But um, the head of our program, she said, 
Um, cause I was overweight at the time. I was probably like 25 pounds more than 25, 30 pounds more than I am now. And I knew that I, I weighed more than I probably should. And I say that with quotations, um, to be an actor and as an actor, you know, you're always aware of your body and it is, I've had to accept the reality that like, I am in a profession where like, where people look at that, like that, that is the reality of my profession. I've also had to choose not to obsess about that but it is a reality but what she said was you don't seem comfortable in your body you don't seem to be at home in your body maybe you should think about you know looking at what you're eating looking at how you're exercising if you lost some weight you might feel more at home in your body and that was the truth I was not comfortable in my body and it wasn't just because I was carrying extra weight. I was carrying extra weight because I wasn't comfortable with who I was. And I was trying to hide who I was. And she may have known what she was saying. Maybe she just happened to stumble upon those words. I don't know. Like maybe she was trying to be nice in the way she was saying it. But that is the truth for me as a compulsive eater. I compulsively eat because I am not comfortable in my body and because I choose not to trust God. When I am trusting God, it's easy for me not to take that compulsive bite. When I decide that my will and my idea of what should happen is better than God's idea of what should happen, I'm going to take the bite. Um, and sometimes I'm aware that I'm doing that. Sometimes, you know, I say, you know what, God? I know that you don't want me to do this. I know that this is probably not for my best good, but right now I'm going to do it. Um, so I did not really understand what she was saying at the time. I still had it in my head that like, okay, well, if I want to be an actor, I need to lose weight because I'm not marketable. Um, but she planted the seeds for me and that was hugely important. So fast forward a little bit more to what got me into these rooms ultimately was that I went through years of binging and um I identify as bulimic because I started chewing and spitting um eating in the middle of the night like waking up multiple times and eating vast amounts and chewing and spitting vast amounts and going to the grocery store at three in the morning and just like raiding the aisles and I was um in northern California uh working on a project and I got on my computer in the middle of the night and I looked up eating disorder support groups and I came upon Overeaters Anonymous but honestly I I thought well I think that's only for people who have to lose like a hundred pounds I don't think that's me and so I found um another eating disorder support group and started going to those meetings in New York but then when I came out here they didn't have those here so I found myself in OA and was one of those people who um like many others you know sat in the back and was like, okay, I'm going to get what I need to get out of this. I'm going to like do the, the cliff notes version and then I'm going to solve the problem and I'm going to leave. I didn't understand that like it truly is a daily reprieve. And at first when I heard that, that really ticked me off because I was like, my life is really busy. I don't need to add something else to my life. I have so much that I'm doing. I do not need to go to more meetings. I don't need another group to get involved with. I don't need to add more to my life. I'm already stressed. I'm already doing too much. I'm already like living in two different cities because I was going back and forth between New York and LA. 
I was like, I don't have time to take service commitments. I don't have time to like talk to a sponsor on the phone. I, I, I just, I don't, I don't, what's this daily reprieve stuff? Let me just like get the, the solution and move on. But now I am so glad that it's a daily reprieve because there's no way that I could solve the enormity of my spiritual malady all at once. I'm so glad that I only have to do it a day at a time. And I am so glad that every morning I can wake up and I can say just for today, God, please give me the desire not to eat compulsively. Give me the desire to do your will and not my own. Let me only worry about what's going on today. Because um, left to my own devices, of course, I'm going to, oh my gosh, I worry about everything going on in my life and your life and everyone else's life. Um, so I was very reluctant at first. And then I remember at one of the, one of the first meetings I went to this woman who had become my first sponsor came up to me and started talking to me. And, uh, you know, I told her just a little bit about, you know, why I was there. And then she said, Oh, do you need a sponsor? And I was like, Oh crap. Um, I said, I guess, I guess so. I mean, I was like, I don't, I don't really know how long I'm going to be here. I might have to go back to New York soon. I don't know. Da, da, da. But I started working the steps with her. And um, to anyone who has not yet started with the steps, just go for it. Because that is the good stuff in this program. Um, getting a handle on your food is absolutely important. And, you know, there are, and the, there's so many different ways to do this program, which is fantastic and also maddening. Because sometimes it's really hard when you're hearing how so many other people are working it to know what's going to work for you. And like, you really do, you really do have to like sit and listen to your innermost being about what is working for you and what is not. And you have to take direction from other people. And sometimes you have to take contrary action against, you know, what it is you think you want to do, but you got to be honest about what works for you. And so it's hard sometimes when you see like people working the program so many different ways, but it's great because you can find a, a way that works for you. And so some people will say that you shouldn't start working the steps until you get abstinent. There's no way that I could have ever gotten recovery if I had done it that way, as far as I know. Um, and I think that working the steps helped me get abstinent, helped me give, give up the behaviors. Because for me, it truly is the reason that I get into the behaviors is truly all of the the emotional stuff that gets uncovered with the steps and i got to know myself with the steps and i got to realize that that wasn't such a bad thing after all i don't you know, I, mean, I don't even know why i was so scared to get to know myself i don't know if it was because i thought i was boring or or weird or i, I don't know um but i was avoiding it i was just avoiding it and I got to figure out who I really truly was and not who I thought I should be, which is what I'd been doing all my life, which is trying to, you know, I had this idea of who I thought I should be. And that's what I kept telling myself I was. And so then when I wasn't living up to that, I never really listened to what I actually wanted to be. And so I was lying and I was letting people down and I was, um, yikes. <laughs> For those of you listening on the podcast, a door just slammed. It was very dramatic. Um, I was uh, horrible in relationships. I was not a faithful person. Um, 
because I didn't know who I was. And so I didn't know how to like tell you what I wanted. I didn't know how to tell myself what, what I wanted. I was a mess. I was not, not a nice person. Um, and I got to know myself through the steps and I got to know what I wanted. And I got to know how to genuinely say, I'm sorry and be done with it and not over-apologize and not go at it just trying to get you to like me more by apologizing and, you know, try to win the whole, the whole scenario. Um, and what I learned about the food working with that sponsor um, is that a lot of the obvious problems like my chewing and spitting and my nighttime eating... Um, you know, I wanted to, and, and obviously those were issues, but uh, the, the foundation um, that was contributing to that was a lot of inconsistency with the food in general. So when I said earlier, do the work, it will pay off somehow, it's not necessarily linear, I definitely found that with the abstinence that my sponsor first suggested, which was simply to do three meals and two snacks. And I, I, I wasn't, at the time, I wasn't really overeating much. Um, and so that felt like really remedial to me. You know, I was like, no, I want something really hardcore that's gonna like, that's just gonna cure me. But what I realized when she had me do that was how much time I was spending in between meals by not ever planning meal times and not ever committing to meal quantities, uh, how much time I was spending um, thinking about food and wondering, okay, should I eat now or should I eat later? Um, okay, I just ate. Okay, when am I going to eat again? What am I going to... And so, and, and this was something that, um, that I, I, I just recently, because a sponsee of mine read Beyond Our Wildest Dreams, Roseanne's book, uh, the founder's book, and... and if you have not read that, I really recommend it because it was sort of, it took me back to basics of the program and was really cool to see how the stuff that they grappled with at the beginning is, are the things that we still grapple with today. And one of the main issues was how do we define abstinence? How do we define compulsive eating? And how much is it the food? How much is it the spiritual solution? How much is it both? And um, for me, I can be, I can have the appearance of eating really cleanly and it looks so nice, but my brain can be crazy and I can be thinking about the food nonstop and I can be thinking about eating, you know, perfectly clean, beautiful, healthy food. And that's not, that's not me being spiritually sane. That's not me being in my life. That is still me hiding from my life. And so I was spending all this time thinking about food and planning the food um, and even though it wasn't necessarily showing up in weird ways, it was still crazy. And so that would then eventually contribute to me just having such noise in my head that I would wind up eating in the middle of the night or I would end up chewing and spitting um, because of all of that, that just the, the madness that was happening in my head. Um, also, my abstinence at one point was to simply right for 10 minutes a day. Because one of the things she recognized that I needed to learn was to just be consistent with something because I had no consistency in my life. I didn't know how to show up in a consistent way. I learned in this program a lot of, like the willingness to have consistency. I took service commitments even though I knew 
I might not be in town for the full six months of a, of a meeting term. Um, and I learned, oh, even if I'm going to be traveling, I can take a service commitment and then I can ask someone to cover for me. Novel idea. But just by being willing to show up and to take the commitment, I am being part of this group. I am serving the group as a whole. And that is something that, um, that, that softens me and that allows me to be part of this incredible organism that all works together and it allows me to be included in, in something that's working for a greater good than just me. And guess what? When I'm part of something that's working for something other than me, I also get to benefit. It makes me better. It helps me because if I'm looking too closely at myself, um, I'm going to miss the point and I'm probably going to wind up sabotaging myself and I'm probably going to wind up like just totally missing the mark. It, 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 it doesn't work out well. Um, so I worked with that sponsor for a few years and, uh, and I had a number of different things where I counted days. Um, but there was always like, I would give up one behavior and then I would pick up something else and I would give up this behavior and I'd pick up something else. And I started to just feel really defeated by counting days and, sort of felt like I was just playing whack-a-mole with it all um, and felt like I was staying in the compulsiveness and, and it felt like I was just going to extremes with all these different things and I didn't know how to find moderation and I didn't know how to be, I didn't know how to forgive myself either. I didn't know how to be okay when I was compulsively eating and I want to say that very carefully because I'm not... There is a difference between, um, thank you. There's a difference between um, trying to like get away with something because I'm really good at that too, and acknowledging and being an acceptance, but also not feeling like I am wrong and I am the problem, and that's what I was unable to do, and that's why. For a long time, I thought, well, I'm not allowed to ever share it, light a candle because I'm not doing it right. And I can't go up there and say, I have 10 years, clean and beautiful, free from XYZ. And I don't say that at all to discount um, the recovery of anyone who does have that because all of our brains work differently. And... People who do have that work their program in a different way that that stands for something incredible. And they do have um, a freedom that I just wasn't able to have when I was counting that way. And the lesson that I have needed to learn, I think that, that God has needed to teach me, is that I don't get to hide when I'm imperfect. I don't get to hide from other people. I don't get to hide from myself. I don't get to hide from God. And I still need to work really hard to try to let go of that behavior. Um, and so with my second sponsor, I think I worked with my first sponsor for about four years. And with my, my second sponsor, um, I started working the steps. And I worked through the steps with her. I also worked the steps in um, the beverage program. And I'm working through the steps again. And... Um, and one of the things I learned with my second sponsor is that I am a restrictor, which I never knew. 
But like she, she told me to make a list of my red, light, red, yellow, and green light foods. And I had so many foods in my red, red light foods and yellow light foods and like zero green light foods. And through that, I realized that I am well aware of all the things in the world that I am not allowed to have um, or not allowed to do, should not do, but not, but I am afraid to look at the things that I want. I'm afraid to look at the things that I can have. I'm afraid to look at, I'm afraid to, to, to dream and to welcome things in. Um, so that's another thing that the food taught me. So, um, man, oh man, it is a journey. So what does it look like today? Cause I am running out of time. Um, so the structure in this program that has helped me is definitely having a food plan, um, and weighing and measuring my food, which I, I don't do today, but I did it for a while. And now I can, now it helps me because I look at it and I can, um, you know, I can eyeball it. And that gives me, that gives me comfort because structure helps me so that I don't have to spend too much time worrying about things. Um, it gives me freedom and I, I actually appreciate that now. Um, and that helps me a lot when I'm traveling to have because I do travel a lot for work. And so I have learned that it helps me to plan ahead. It helps me to, you know, pack food that I know will be sane for me, but it also is no good if I obsess about it. And I'm like, I can only have this stuff because then I'm making that, then I'm making that structure my higher power and my higher power is not my higher power. And so that's been something I've had to learn too, that I can't, or I don't want to. For me, it's not recovery if I'm making any of these tools the end all be all. I have to have flexibility. I want to have flexibility. I want to have flexibility in the way that I eat um, within confines. Um, I do meetings. I do, I do meetings in multiple programs. I have sponsees. I have a sponsor. My morning time with my higher power is one of the most important things to me. And that's something that has definitely um, developed over time and I fought with it for a while and I would say whatever you're willing to do just you know start with that but it does because I would you know get up out of bed and and really just be completely daunted by the day immediately um, it helps me to start with daily readers now I also um, meditate and pray and for me meditation prayers when I I talk to God and meditation is when I listen for the answers. And that part for me is really important because I spend so much time with noise in my head and so busy that I do have to stop and listen. Um, it's absolutely vital. Being of service is a gift because I spend way too much time thinking of myself. And so that's a really helpful, helpful thing that I get to do. Um, I've done a few big book workshops. Those are a, a great way to get into program and to get to know more people in program. That's helpful. Um, I don't weigh myself today. That's not helpful to me at all. That's one of the, the things I know, you know, some people, they need to do that to stay honest, um, which is great. I use it as a tool to beat myself up and it sort of is meaningless. So I don't do that. Um, and I can tell you know, like I said, I, I, I realize that I can get obsessed. It's tricky because I, I, I do have to be honest about my weight because of my profession. 
But what I realized is that I want to fixate on it so much and not pay as much attention to the other things that are even more important to what make me um, a creative being. And there are so many other things that are important to being an actor and being a human. And so whenever I start to worry too much about, oh, I weigh too much to, you know, to do this or someone's going to look at me this way or whatever, I know that that's a sign I need to check in with God and I need to, I'm, I'm afraid of looking at something else. I'm afraid of putting myself out there in some other way. Um, I don't know. How, I guess I have time for a few questions. Do I? Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, how do you deal with rejection by using this program? The question was, how do I deal with rejection by using this program? Um, I absolutely believe that, you know, a lot of people say God is everything or God is nothing, and I would rather trust that God is everything. So um, I look at, specifically with auditioning, I'm assuming that's what you're, you're asking, uh, a rejection. I look at auditioning as one large thing rather as audition to audition and I trust that there is something that I am supposed to be working on in every single one that's going to contribute to me as an artist overall and as a person overall there's something I'm going to learn there's an interaction I'm going to have that's going to help me um, there's something that is not connected to just getting that job because if I went into each one worried about whether or not I was going to get the job I'd shoot myself in the head because most of the jobs I don't get so I trust that there is something that I'm learning. There's something that is contributing to a greater, my overall growth. Um, and then it kind of takes the pressure off. Thanks for the question. Yes. How did you um, create the structure of your food plan in the non-obsessive? The question is, how did I create the structure of my program in a non-obsessive way? Food plan. Food plan. Um, my sponsor, um, I remember I said, I think I should see a nutritionist. And she encouraged me before I did that to take a look at the uh, OA pamphlets. I think it's the, the dignity of choice and or a plan of eating. One or both of those have suggested food plans that have more portion sizes and um, food groups. Um, and so looking at my, my green light foods and looking at those food plans, I came up with different foods that, uh, with different meal options that I could eat. And I, I went from that. And, um, and I have to say that I genuinely, it's, it's miraculous to me, but for the most part, I really do crave foods that make my body feel good. I don't, I, I have, the craving has been lifted for things that are going to make me crazy. Um, and that is a, a definite miracle of this program. But that's where I started with that. Yes? What brought you to the OA program? What was your breaking my breaking point, oh, the question was what brought me to the OA program? What was my breaking point? My breaking point was, um, oh, well, the, the event that happened when I was um, working, I was staying in this hotel up in Northern California working on this job. And I, there was, it was one of those places that had a truly horrible and dream for a compulsive overeater um, breakfast buffet that was all like, they put it out at like 4 a.m. every day. And, you know, who's up at 4 a.m. except for me? 
And I would go down there as soon as they put it out and I would gather up all of the, the pre, it wasn't even fresh. It was all like prepackaged um, bagels and pastries and um, all sorts of sweet things. And I would, you know, just gather what I could. I probably took a bag down there with me, brought it back up to my room and I would um, just chew it up and spit it out, all of it, and, you know, have a huge binge and then feel miserable. And I would start my day like that, which was just so, so horrible. And I was, I was shooting, I was working at the time. I was shooting this little independent film and, um, and I would have to go to work like that. And of course I was completely distracted from, I didn't have any clear channel for creativity because I was distracted by this feeling of fullness and shame and utter defeat. And, uh, and I was also drinking a lot at the time and I was miserable. I just felt completely defeated. Um, and so that's when I, I got on my computer and did a search and, um, I just needed, needed help. Thank you. Thank you very much.